0: We'll turn to Proverbs chapter eleven in verse twenty-seven. I hope you've been enjoying going through the book of Proverbs uh, this week, and we have we passed out bookmarks on Sunday that you can take and check out, read on your own. We're reading through life's instruction manual throughout this series. Uh, that's what the book of Proverbs says that it is in the beginning, and we have been uh, we've been we've been going through this. So so I've I've just I've loved it. It's been good every day, and uh, I've been trying to teach my kids. Uh, this, on the back side, there's kind of memory verses for the week And um, the, the one for this week is Proverbs 1-7 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge But fools despise wisdom and instruction But my kids, they, they love saying destruction <laughs> So they're like, fools despise wisdom and destruction That's what they've been saying all week long So every time I quote it, that's what I think about Them saying wisdom and destruction and uh, something about, I'm a, we're a boy house, so we got two boys and one on the way, so my wife is very outnumbered, and so, yeah, so a lot of, a lot of wrestling happen, happening in our house, um, but I'm so excited to share with you a verse of scripture that really has just been so illuminating to me from the book of Proverbs, and I, I want to talk tonight about one of my favorite things to talk about, kind of a soapbox, if you will, I love talking about your attitude. Because I think uh, your attitude, without being corny, I think it really does determine your altitude in life. Um, I think so much of life is not what happens to you, but how you think about what is happening to you. And you kind of have the ability, some people are like, well, I'm just having a bad day, um, just woke up on the wrong side of the bed. And the reality is, no, you didn't. Like, you have the opportunity, I have the opportunity to choose my attitude, to choose my environment. And and to live the life that, that I that I want to uh to, to live in. I can choose the environment. The other day I was at a restaurant and I was listening to a sermon and man it was good. I mean the preacher was preaching, there's a B3 organ happening. I mean people are shouting like thousands of people and I'm sitting there, I mean tears running down my eyes, you know, I'm just like right there, you know, I'm like eating eating my chicken roll up, you know, from the you know, from the restaurant and I'm just like crying. People are looking and I noticed somebody looks over at me. And they're like, what is up with the dude over there? Like, he's got, like, he's eating food and just, like, crying. Like, what's going on? And I was having church. I don't know if you've ever seen, you know, seen, pulled up next to somebody driving in their car, and they're just, like, going to town, and you're like, and, and, and it was so funny to me because I thought, you know what, I was, contr- I was, I was having an experience um, that other people around me were not having, and the difference was that it was the environment that I was in and we were in the same proximity, but I had, I had put something that I was focusing on on my mind, and even though other people were sitting a couple feet from me, they were not having the same experience. So my environment was something that I had the ability to create. Is that making sense? I was creating an environment that caused me to focus on God and be blessed and receive something from God. So I want to talk tonight all about Our environment and our attitude And we started talking about our relationships And I really want to give us a tool In this area of our relationships That I I really think has the power to change everything else We talked last week, if you have your notes This is in the top of your notes We talked last week, I mean last Sunday All about this, that great relationships Are not turnkey or maintenance free That great relationships require what? Work. Work Great relationships require work and in this series, we're, we're, we're looking at the reality that just because your relationship requires work does not mean it's a bad relationship. It just means that this is part of the process. Some assembly is required. Some assembly is required. So each kind of message in this series, we're looking at the book of Proverbs and we're taking some relational um, advice from the book of Proverbs. I don't know how your relationships are. I don't know, maybe you're great in this area, maybe you've had difficulty in this area. I know a lot of people came up to me Sunday, they said, I was really leery about this series because this is kind of a, this is a topic I don't like talking about much. And then maybe you're like this person, I saw this meme this week, I thought it would bless you. Um, it says, this summarizes my love life. said, I'm the guy in the blue. <laughs> Can I get a witness from somebody in the house at first Wednesday? Dude's like it, chilling in the background. <laughs> Pro- <laughs> I knew that bless you. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 27. This is such a great verse that, that has... has I, I just hope I can unpack it to you a little bit tonight. Um, how God just said, bless me with it. Proverbs eleven twenty-seven. It says, The one who seeks what? Good. Finds delight. But the student of evil... Does what? Becomes evil. I want to ask the question tonight, what are you looking for? Could you look at your neighbor and play with me tonight Say, say, what are you looking for? Look at, find somebody else say, what are, what are you looking for? 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 I believe the only thing that we are ever always in control of is our focus. There are many things in life that are out of our control... But you can always control your focus. Like me sitting in that restaurant, I had the ability to control what I was focusing on that was completely uh, different than anybody else. So I, w- I want to say you can live for God. Like regardless of wh- wh- what environment you're in the middle of, you can live for God. If, you, if you're if you at UT campus and you're surrounded by other students that aren't serving God, you can live for God. If you're in middle school or you're in high school or you're you live you're at a workplace that's not... Surrounded by people that are serving God You can live for God because you have the ability to control your focus I don't care what, what, what background you come from Maybe you just come from a string of failed relationships and failed marriages And you just feel like, well, I'm just going to be a statistic And the reality is you can defy the odds Because we're going to talk tonight about how to control our focus I think a lot of relational failures are a failure of focus I think we we fail to focus on the right thing. Uh, I, I saw where uh, some psychologists have uh, come together, and they said that hum, humanity has a negativity bias that 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 in our minds that the negative things of life weigh a lot more than all the positive things do. And this explains all of the all of the reviews for products and hotels and restaurants. Uh, all, All the negative reviews that are like pages long, right? You know, someone having a terrible experience and they write about it. But all the people that had good experiences, they probably didn't take the time. To share that because something about negativity uh, just weighs on our mind. Weston, could you come up here and help me out w- real quick? It, 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 negativity is a lot like this. Yeah, come on up here on stage. Look at you, man. Just run, just jumping up there. All right, it, it, it's like this. This is your this is your mind. There we go. This is and you got to put it up. Kind of kind of put it up there. Yeah, there, you can't block it that much. Okay, that's it, that's your mind. And and, and and the reality is is that I think the negative things of life. This is kind of how I saw it in my mind's eye. The negative, you better watch out. The negative things in life, they stick. the The psychologist said this that 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 the negative things that we go through in life stick to our minds like Velcro. It's like this that that you have a bad experience, uh, you, you have a bad problem. Are you ready for this, man? And and whenever that thought comes, or maybe you're betrayed, or maybe you're hurt, or maybe you've had some relational pain before, or 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 you've you've, you've had some abuse or difficulty What happens in life Come on now Oh there you go There you go It sticks to you But Just as the bad sticks to you The good things easily fall off of our mind So like here's God's promises The faithfulness of God In his word It comes to our mind And it doesn't naturally stick here, here we have a, a betrayal. We had a friend that let us down and we thought we were going to have their relationship forever and it throws and then it sticks. And then, and then here you have faithful friends. You got a friend that's been with you for years and years and years and they've, they're, they've just faithfully served you and they've just been there time and time again and it comes to your mind and it doesn't stick very well. And, and, and then you, you, you get betrayed again or, or, or maybe you lose a job. And, and, and you someone told you one time years ago, maybe at school and they said, you're a nobody. They said you're ugly. They said you're you know you're, you're not somebody who's going to do something great in life you And that one negative comment from years ago still sticks to your mind. And then you have good news here. you have compliments from people, even though you've been complimented by hundreds and hundreds of people. it's it's, it's not the compliment that sticks. It's the negative things that stick to our mind and and before long our mind is just thank you so much buddy good job our mind is covered is is this kind of making sense to you our our mind is completely covered with 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 the wrong thoughts and we're walking around in our relationships And we can't give and receive the love That we should be or that we could be Because our minds Our thoughts are consumed With all of the things that have happened to us In the past All of the problems, all of the situations So we process everything Our mind is filled with all of these Wrong thoughts And that's just how our natural mind works So I just want to share a couple principles About this from you Here's From the scripture we read, Proverbs chapter 11, 27, it simply says this, The one who seeks good finds delight. This is such a powerful truth. The one who seeks good finds delight. So if you're taking notes, here's the first one, that you will always see more of what you're searching for. You will always see more of what you're searching for. If you ever have bought a car before and researched that car... You've been looking at that car. What happens in your brain whenever you decide on a car? Every car on the road is that car. Your, your brain automatically starts chunking together all the information of your world, and you start seeing, oh, there's that car, and there's is there's, in blue, and there's, oh, there's one behind me, and there's one part next to me. And it's like the car that you never noticed before after you started searching for it, After you started looking for it, you started seeing it absolutely everywhere. This is how our mind works. This is why our focus is so powerful. That our brain, whatever we focus on, whatever we search for, it's so good. Whatever we look at, our brain automatically says, Awesome, that's what they're looking for. So it's everywhere and our brain automatically goes to making that thought a reality. So that's why the cars we look at, it's everywhere. And, and that's why what we think about, what we fill our brains with is so important. That's why, that's why negativity in our world and on our news, and that's why pornography is so powerful. Why? Because it's not an isolated event. It's programming your brain to constantly look for these type of experiences and things and relationships In your everyday life Just like if you were searched for a car And then everywhere you look that car is And that's why it's so powerful When you fill your mind with the word of God That's why it's so powerful When you drive down the road worshiping God And you listen to things And you fill your mind with things Instead of mindless things You're filling it with the promises of God Because you know what You're going to find what you're searching for So if you're believing and trusting that God's able and God's on the throne and he's gonna do something great in your life and I know that all things work together for good and all those words are going through your mind, you know what's gonna happen when something negative comes against you? It's not gonna stick like it would because your brain has already been saying, no, God's able and I'm not gonna let that difficulty stop me from doing what God has called me to do. So so the question is relationships. We're talking about relationships. The question is, what are you looking for? What are you searching for? What are you believing about the relationships in your life? What are you saying people always are doing? Or people are never, no one, my, my, my brother is so rude. He's always rude. Well, what's going to happen? When you take that assumption, you're, you're searching for that. And then whenever you meet them, whenever you see them, your brain's just finding a way to say, see, they're rude, they don't like you. And your brain fills in the rest. See, it's the power of our focus. What are we focusing on? Know that if you focus on good things, you're going to naturally see good things. If you focus on the negative things, you're always going to see negative things. My pastor growing up would always say, it's amazing that praisers always have more to praise about. Thankful people always have more to be thankful about. Complaining people always have more to complain about. What, 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 what negative people always have more to be negative about Because it's an attitude It's an attitude of gratitude That makes all the difference So, so gr- what's gratitude? Gratitude is this spirit of thankfulness It's a spirit that says Man, I'm so thankful I'm grateful for my life I'm, I'm, I just, I'm overwhelmed with thankfulness And what's an attitude? Attitude is a pattern of thinking an attitude is some way that you consistently think over and over again. It's a pattern. So it's the same way with people in our lives, people here, people that I'm close to in this room. I could probably predict your attitude. Why? Because I know you. Because I, I know you have a pattern of a certain attitude. And really what I want to encourage us tonight is what would it look like if, if we had an attitude... Of gratitude, And we looked, instead of looking in our spouse, instead of looking in our coworkers or our boss, instead we look in, oh, they always or they never. Always watch your always and nevers. If you're always assuming that they're against you, that they're, that they're trying to mess something up, or they're always doing this, or it, it, it's, it's, it's causing us to focus according to the Scripture that we're finding what we're searching for. Be very, very, be very careful. Um, becoming an expert in the negativity of this world Proverbs eleven twenty seven. 27 the same verse the end of it says so the first it says uh, the one who seeks good finds delight and watch the second part it's so powerful and the student of evil does what becomes evil Here's the second truth this this evening. In the end, you'll not just find what you're searching for. In the end, you will become what you're searching for. So if you're constantly searching for the negative, you will become the negative. He says someone who's just constantly inundated with negativity and evil and wrong, they will become the very thing... They hate In other words It's impossible to be a victor And a victim At the same time This is how us parents We can get We can get yelling at our kids Trying to get them to be calm Would you please stop it You know like we're screaming You know, and, and we're, you know I, This would be fun to preach If I w- it wasn't so hitting So close to home tonight <laughs> But we, 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 we become the thing That we hate no, nobody wants to be around someone that's just an expert in the negative. Proverbs is so full of this. I've enjoyed reading Proverbs. Um, this is so good. Proverbs 27, 15. I don't believe it's in your notes, but it says this, a nagging spouse. This is somebody's, needs to be somebody's life verse. A nagging spouse is like the drip, drip, drip of a leaky faucet. You can't turn it off, and you can't get away from it. In other words... You have a spouse that's upset about something. What are they doing? They're focusing on that, and they have actually themselves become something that's in the way. They, because they're only focused on the negative, they themselves have become such an annoyance to the very person that they're trying to help in their life. So the question I want to focus on tonight is how do we change that? How do do we change this reality where instead of the negative things sticking to our brains, how do we change it where the good things of God and the compliments and the, and the right memories and the things from our life, how do we get it where those things stick instead of these things? How do we get it where these things will get off of our mind, the negative things, and then the positive things of God, how do we get it where those things stick to our life, stick to our mind and we become someone who truly has a attitude of gratitude that wherever we are we're thankful we're able to be an inspiration and a light for God no matter where we go how do we do that I, I just want to submit to you that the way that we do that is is through one word it's just simply being thankful when when we in our lives are thankful I believe it has a dramatic effect in the way that we think. When we're thankful, we think differently. When we're thankful, our minds are filled with other things that are not the negative things that stick to our lives. That's why 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this, In everything, could you say that with me? In everything, do what? Give thanks. It doesn't say for everything give thanks. And the church said, Amen, because not everything is worthy of thanks. Like the situation's not worthy of thanks because the car breaks down and, the, and, 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 and sometimes there's more month than there is money and all those things. It, it's not always that everything seems to be good, but it says if we will in everything have a thankful attitude, That God's, it's God's will for our lives. So God's purpose is fulfilled through our thankfulness. I just really want to encourage someone who who you're you're a negative person. You're just you're kind of focusing on the negative. I pray tonight will be a message that you don't soon forget, and you allow God to bring this new day of gratefulness into your relationships where instead of living your life focused on the negative and sticking all of these things sticking to your brain that you will live your life focused on the good things of God knowing that God's able and God's on the throne and has a plan and purpose for your life because gratitude changes you gratitude changes you I want to show it to you in the scripture this is in your notes. notes Luke chapter 17 verse 12 This is a time when Jesus um, was about doing his ministry. And it says this, As he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. So these were leprous men. These people, because of their um, bodily condition, they were living outside of the city. They were living in a leper colony. And there was no cure. There was no ability for them. They were unclean. They couldn't go to the temple. They couldn't live among their family that they grew up in. It was a bad situation. And they stood afar off and they lifted up their voices, verse 13, and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when they saw him, he said to them, Go show yourself to the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. It's amazing. That they came to Jesus, said cleanse us and Jesus said absolutely and he cleansed them of their leprosy. But the problem with leprosy is leprosy was a condition of the nervous system where you would actually hurt yourself and not know it. So people with leprosy would not feel pain in things like their fingers or their toes. And, And what we forget sometimes is pain is oftentimes God's greatest gift to us. And what they would... Because they didn't feel pain They would hurt a finger Or a, literally cut off a finger Or uh, dismember themselves Because they literally didn't feel the pain so, so, so they had been healed of their leprosy But they still were missing fingers and toes And, and parts of their body It was a part where literally um, they would Parts of their body would fall off They would be very disfigured people And they're cleansed But they're still not whole yet If you will They're healed but they're not whole. And it says in verse 15, one of them, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, and with a loud voice glorified God. He fell down on his face at, at Jesus' feet, giving him what? Thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. This is such an incredible story in the life of Jesus where it shows us a powerful truth. You look at the story at face value and you're thinking, did Jesus fail? Did he not give a full healing? You You know, he's the great physician, so why didn't he heal him the first time? Because... They were healed, but they still had issues and and all that kind of stuff. But one guy goes back to Jesus, falls down on his feet, says, thank you. And Jesus says to him, hey, your faith has actually made you whole. And all the things in his life, his fingers, his toes, all the things that were these extremities that were gone, they actually, I don't know, just miraculously grew back. And he literally became whole again. And... We get a principle in the scripture that gratefulness and thankfulness is the difference between just being healed and actually being whole. That there is something that God does supernaturally in our lives that does a work in us when we don't just experience... The blessing of God but we go back and say God I don't deserve what you've done in my life is there anybody in this place that you know what I'm talking about I don't deserve what I've received from God and I just can't help but turn back I don't know why the other nine didn't turn back maybe they thought well maybe uh, maybe it would have got healed on its own or maybe he didn't really heal us or you know I just got r- really busy but, but something about this one man said I just cannot take one more step without going back and saying thank you to the one that touched me, to say thank you to the one that healed me. And and I just think it'd be a good time for us to do that tonight. Just why don't we just say thank you, God, for what you've done in my life. Lord, we don't want to go another first Wednesday without saying, Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you for making me new. God, I used to be lost. Now I was found. I was blind. Now I see. God, I am who I am because of what you've done in my life. God, it wasn't my ability. It wasn't what I've done. God, it's how you touch and save my life. And he gives us this principle that gratitude, gratitude has the ability to bring a wholeness to our life. First and foremost, gratitude to God. But if I could take it a step further tonight, gratitude toward people. Thankfulness has a power to change not just the situation. Grace, gratefulness has the power to change us. So I just want to give us a few focus Changes, if you will, a couple decisions tonight. And I'll get out of the way, but I just want to hopefully put this as some tools in our lives of how do we live our lives focused on the right thing and our relationships being healthy, and our marriages being healthy, and our friendships being healthy, and our, all of our lives being, uh, being healthy. Here's, here's the first, first choice. Choose progress over perfection. I love this about the man in the story he wasn't completely healed yet but he took time to say thank you in the process of God and I think that's such a picture that I think a lot of times we don't tell the people in our lives that we appreciate them because they're not quite where we think they are they should be yet but there's something powerful when we take a moment aside and we we're thankful for the progress See, God does this for us, everybody. God doesn't wait until we're the mature, established believer, you know, living a lifetime of faithfulness to God before he says, I'm proud of you. You know what he does to the sinner that walks in and for the first time raises their hand on a Sunday morning and just says, I want to start a relationship with Jesus? He says, that's so good. And according to the scripture, all of heaven is rejoicing. There is joy in the presence of the angel When one person repents What is that? That's not the end That's just the beginning And God says I'm rejoicing in the progress I'm rejoicing in not just where they're going But I'm rejoicing in what they're doing right now So what would it be like if we took the people in our lives And we rejoiced in the progress of what they're doing Instead of nagging them about what they're not doing yet Like you did this but you still need to do something No Why don't we just take a moment be thankful for what they're doing. Rejoice in the progress, not in perfection. Don't wait for the perfection, but just start right now and give some thanks. question is, who in your life has blessed you? Who in your life is, has been there for you? Who in your life has been a blessing to you? Maybe they're not perfect. Absolutely, if they're close to you, they're not perfect. If you're married, you know for sure they're not perfect, and they know you're not perfect, but you're not what you're going to be, but you're not what you used to be either. And taking a moment and saying, I'm thankful for, for what you are. I'm thankful for what you're doing. Speaking some positive words instead of being like what Proverbs said, being that drippy, drip, 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 nagging spouse. Be that person that's a blessing. I, I saw where a doctor, John Gottman... He can watch a videotape of couples fighting and with a 94% accuracy, he can tell if they're going to survive in their marriage or get divorced. 94% over a 10-year period. He's, he's hit it spot on like a Jedi every single time. And this says the way that he does that is he watches the, the ratio between positive and negative interactions between spouses. That he would consider negative interactions being showing signs of contempt, of disgust, whining, criticism, dirty looks, and, and positive on the other side, he would consider positive um, displays of, of, of affection and interaction as uh, displays of affection, smiling, sympathy, uh, a kind touch. In other words, just body language and words. And what, what he's found is that the couples that have divorced have a 0.8 positive to every one negative. So, in other words, there's more negative than there is positive in their relationship, in their interactions. In the couples that lasted, they had a uh, five to one positive to negative interaction ratio. Powerful. Something as simple as a kind word, a gesture. In other words, we're fighting. I don't agree with everything you're doing, but I still love you. And that person that's willing to continue to give. The good things, even in the middle of difficulty and pain, that couple is able to make it. Here's the second thing, if you're taking notes, choose trust over suspicion. Choose trust over suspicion. See, there are always relational gaps that we face in our lives. There are always going to be things where people let us down, where people don't live up to the expectation that we had in, in for them, with them in their lives our coworkers, our bosses, our, our family members, our friends, our, our spouses, that there's always, a, there's always times where there's a gap there. And the, and the reality is we can, we can fill it with one of two things. We can fill it with trust or we can fill it with suspicion. In other words, you come to church, you see somebody, you've kind of had a little bit of difficulty with them, you look at them across the way and you think to yourselves, they gave me a funny look. They don't like me. I bet they're talking about me right now to somebody. They don't like me at all. And every bit of your energy is suspicious of what that person is and what they're doing. And you've already judged everything that they're going to do and what it's going to be like versus the, the person that says, that puts trust there. And they say, I don't really understand what's happening right now in our relationship but I love them. I care for them. I know, I know they're not going to hurt me. And you fill those gaps with trust. You fill those gaps with love. Instead of trying to be the judge of the universe, you take a seat and you let God do that. And you love, care for the people in your world. You say, well, time out, Pastor. What about the people that I know are trying to hurt me? Why don't we follow the example of our Lord and Savior On the cross where he said, Father, forgive them. Why? Because they don't know what they're doing. That's one of the most powerful statements that you can learn to speak to yourself about the people in your world that's hurt you, the people in your world that you're going through difficulties with. Instead of trying, if our God on the cross could say, you know what, they don't know what they're doing. In other words, he gave them some trust. He gave them in that moment, and it will set you free if you look at the people in your life and you say i i'm gonna put trust in those areas of my life and believe that they didn't mean it don't give people the right to offend you and i believe this too many of us we give our joy away to the wrong people We give people the ability to offend our lives. We give people the ability to make us have a bad day. I I just want to encourage somebody, don't give that away. Don't give people in your world, don't give people at your workplace, don't give them the ability to offend you. You make the decision to be who God's called you to be, and people are going to let you down. Hey, that's all right. But you know what? I'm going to continue to rise above every comment, everything. I'm not going to allow you to offend my life. I'm pretty unoffendable. Because I believe that God is on top of it all. I love David in the scripture because David was someone who knew that God had made him king. He knew that God had put him where he was. And Absalom, his son, tried to take over the throne. And whenever he came time to take over the throne, he said... You got it. I'll pack my bags and I'll leave town. Why? David was so confident that God had created him to, God had put him where he had put him and that he did not have to fight to stay there, but God was going to fight for him. He stepped out and you know what happened? God made it all work out and just because they were trying to kill David, it didn't make them king because God was the one who was going to set up. There's something powerful when you start understanding the calling that God has on your life and the identity that you have in Christ. Other people can't offend you when you understand that all things are working for good. Other people can't offend you when you know at the end of the day that if God be for me, who can be against me? Amen? So don't give that power away to anybody else. here's, Here's the next one. This is powerful. Choose gratefulness. Over bitterness, Ephesians four twenty six says, "Don't let sin, don't sin by letting anger control you." This is specifically speaking to married couples, and don't let the sun go down while you're angry, for it will give the devil a foothold. I heard one um, one married couple. He said, "You know what? My wife and I, we believe this. We 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 believe we will not go to bed until you know." until we've settled our anger. He said, we've stayed up for like three or four weeks at a time <laughs> because of that verse. <laughs> Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. Why? Because that anger, that bitterness, man, it will absolutely steal something from you. One of the most powerful ways to destroy bitterness in your life is thankfulness and gratefulness. God's been dealing with, this, with me about this personally over the last few months. You can't, be, you can't move forward in your life tethered to a past hurt. Thankfulness destroys bitterness in your life. If you'll be thankful, I, I really feel like this is for somebody to, tonight, that there's there's people in your life that's hurt you, parents, um, past coworkers, um, ex-spouses, um, people that, that literally they live with you in your own mind that, that they're sticking to you that these these thoughts are sticking to you people that have hurt you along the way people that have let you down and they if you said their name it's that close to you that bitterness is on your mind i'll tell you the what will destroy that bitterness is thankfulness when you are thankful it's something about thankfulness that has a power to rip away Those things that you're tethered to the past. In other words, here's here's what I simply mean by that. Finding the things that you're thankful for about that person. It's not always easy to do. But if you'll look at your life and you'll realize the person that you are today, there's something good about the person you are today that came through that difficult and negative relationship. And maybe... The very thing that could set you free in some of us that person has passed away we don't have the ability to but if I could encourage you sometime in the near future take a pen and paper out write a letter of thankfulness to that person not, not saying that you agree with or are thankful for all the things that hurt you but when you decide to be thankful for the good things the things that, you, that, that blessed your life and the good things that came from that situation, there's something about it that will begin to actually set your life free from the things of your past and you'll be able to move forward into your future. But until you can say, thank you, God... And I want to thank that person. But I don't know if this—I don't know who I'm talking to. You may think I'm absolutely nuts and crazy, but just trust me. I've done this in the last few months, just in my own personal life, and my own personal journey. And just trust me, it sets you free when you take a moment and you say thank you along the way. Not that I agree with what you did, not that it didn't hurt me, nothing like that. But just leave all of that aside and say. Thank you for what you meant in this season And what what it produced in my life And I'm thankful and I'm grateful For what that did in my life And, And there's something that it will pull away Those roots of bitterness That the enemies drove so deep in your heart That you can't truly love The people that are in front of you Because you're tethered to the past It'll set you free It'll set you free See, I don't, I don't really know about that. Listen to what Jesus says, Luke 6, 27. I say you love your enemies. Seriously, Jesus? Yeah. Do good to those who hate you. Really. Do good to them. Be kind to say, say, Nice words, they weren't nice to me. Be, do good. Bless those. Bless them. Bless them. Those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Time out. Jesus, I don't I don't think I don't think that's right. I'm just trying to forget those that hurt He said, no, no, no. If you'll bless the people that have hurt you, if you'll pray for them, if you'll speak good things, instead of allowing your life just to constantly vomit all the, the bad things and the negativity, if you'll let God do a work in your heart and you'll speak, you know, you'll speak the good things about your parents. You'll speak the good things about that extra. That doesn't mean you have to tether your life back to that and that's not what I'm speaking in any way, shape, form, or fashion. But when you start being a blessing, it's gratefulness. Gratefulness. What it does, it causes all of these things. It causes all of these things to, to rip off of your life and then it causes the promises of God to stick on there and you start believing, man, God is on the throne and God is able and look what He's doing in my future. Why? Because those old things start coming off and passing away and God starts doing a fresh work in your life and I've preached too long already, here's the fourth thing musicians you could come, here's the fourth thing, choose actions rather than intentions no one is blessed by your intentions, only by your actions so in other words if you think something good say it if you think something special do it if you, think, if you want to be something different, be it. Don't let the gratefulness just be in your own brain. Your spouse doesn't know you're grateful just because you feel grateful. They know it because of the action that you do. Here's just a couple questions before we go. What kind of thing has someone done in your life... What, what, what kind thing has someone done in your life that you haven't yet said you were thankful for? Who's somebody in your life that before this week is up, they've done something kind to you and that you just say thank you for? Don't let it live in your intention. Let it be in action. Here's, here's the second question. What new way can I express gratitude that I felt for a long time In a fresh way In other words Specifically for those of you that are married in the house or, There are so many things I'll just speak from my own experience There are so many things that my wife does And has done for the last 12 years that we've been married <coughs> That it's so easy for me to just take for granted And, and, and the question is Those relationships in our life what, what are some new ways That we can show gratefulness And thankfulness for people that have just been so faithful. Maybe this is a faithful friend that every transition in your life, they've been there for the last decade. And, and, and where the enemy focuses on all the that one betrayal three years ago. And God's given you this faithful friend that's been here for decades. When you focus on the things you're thankful for All those other things start falling away. And here's the third question. Who in my life helps me that I'm just taking for granted? Is it that school teacher that's being a blessing to your child? Is it that neighbor that's kind? Who are the people in your world that you just... You've just been going, going, going. You haven't taken a moment to tell your spouse, to tell your best friend, to tell your teacher, to tell. You know what? I'm just, I'm just thankful that I have an attitude of gratitude. This is, this is the constant pattern of the way that I think. I, I just, what would it look like, City Hills, if we were a body of people that we didn't focus on the negative things of our culture and our world, but everywhere we went, man, we were focusing on the thankful. Being grateful and being thankful for the things of God. You talk about some countercultural movement of people, not focused on the negative, focused on the promises of God and being thankful. Let's pray together. Lord,